Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 51 of Tower After Hours. I'm here today with Allison Henry, our email marketing specialist. Hey. Mike Shaw, our SEM team lead. Hey there. And Grace Hurst, our content marketing team lead. Hi. So today we are going to be digging into email marketing, email marketing automation, basically everything inbox. Um, so before we get started, um, Allison, since you are our kind of resident expert on email, could you give everybody just a little intro of how we do email at Tower, what your work is kind of like? Yeah. Um, so at Tower, we're taking email from a one-way street of sending email blasts uh, to an interactive way for our clients to interact with their subscribers. Um, we're using marketing automations to get the right message to the right subscribers at the stage of their journey that they may fall in. Um, automations are um, kind of a set it, probably don't forget about it um, way to <laughs> reach subscribers at whatever point they may be at um, without using too much of your precious time. So this could include sending a welcome email when they first subscribe to your emails. Um, this could also include um, sending out a specialized email to someone who's visited a certain page of your website a couple times. So if they're really interested in sheds and they visit the sheds page a couple times, um, we'd send them an email specifically about sheds to get them to contact you. Um, we're also helping businesses to create strategies that fit with the industries that they're in, um, their business goals and their marketing needs. Um, this could include starting them out from the beginning with list growth and health, um, to creating a customized sales pipeline to help track leads from the beginning when the first when the lead first comes in to the time that the deal closes. Um, another exciting thing that we're doing is we're incorporating the great content that our content team is putting together um, into our emails. So they create a experience for our customer or for their customers that inform, entertain, and build expertise for our clients. Very cool. And thanks for the shout outs, the content team. We love that. <laughs> we love bribery. Not a problem. <laughs> awesome. So hopefully that gives you guys all an idea of kind of how we do email marketing. Um, and now I think we're going to get into kind of the meat of it. So Grace, do you want to get us started? Tell us all your thoughts on the world of email marketing. Yes. So going off of Allison's shout out to content team, I'm just going to start there because that's uh, what's near and dear to my heart, being a part of content. And especially when it comes to email content, businesses might think it's really easy to put together an email, right? It's short form content. Uh, it might not take as long, but you can definitely fall into a trap with your email content and do it wrong very quickly. Someone that I like to follow and interact with, especially on LinkedIn, is named Dan Oshinsky. And he's done email for a long time, um, including for companies like BuzzFeed, stuff like that. He has his own email platform now that he makes money off of, like doing newsletters, things like that. And he put out a great article recently talking about just the 10 things that he often sees companies doing wrong with their email. It's a great read, would definitely recommend it if you have a spare moment. But what stood out to me is the section where he digs into how organizations have their own review process, and that can sometimes actually get in the way of the email messaging that they're doing. So yeah, I'm thinking about that red tape that 
maybe, you know, Tower is a smaller team. We might not have that much in place, but if you're at a large corporation, there's going to be more red tape in place with what you're doing. So uh, he points out that he has this saying that uh, email is like being invited into someone's living room, <laughs> which he's not wrong, right? Yeah. Yeah. Captive so, audience. Exactly. I mean, we think about, especially this last year, where are people spending their time at home and what do they have time to read through? Their email. And we've and seen And what are they that. checking for? A million delivery notifications <laughs> of their Amazon orders. Sorry, exactly, just Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So his point is you really need to make sure that your messaging isn't boring because you might be able to put together that email list and that content, but you don't you don't own that person's inbox. They can easily boot you out if they don't like your messaging. Just takes a click. So his point is you need to write your content like you're standing in their living room, right? How would you act? Would you just go in with a hard sell or would you introduce yourself first? You know, you need to think about some of that tone. And so I just like that idea of keeping that in mind. Um, And I think that the problem though, and we see this with other forms of content for sure, but with email, I think it's especially relevant that people reviewing it who aren't the email marketer might have different agendas in that approval process. They have brand messaging that they sales. use. Sales. We're a sales tool. Sales. <laughs> they have quotas. And so along the way, it gets ripped apart and it takes it from this interesting message and turns it into a boring message because it's no longer being written for the person. It's being written for the people within the company, which just isn't optimal. So... Um, I think my biggest takeaway when I was thinking about how businesses can avoid that is just that, first of all, you should really avoid jargon. I mean, this goes for any writing, but Mm -hmm. especially email. If you're using terms that internally you use, but a customer wouldn't know if you were standing face to face to them, probably shouldn't be in your email. Same goes for like awkward phrases that, you know, have become championed inside your company. If it sounds weird and you wouldn't use it talking to someone in their living room, don't put it in your email. On top of that, just making sure that your email is you focused. So the person reading it understands what they're getting. So going with the example, if you were doing email marketing on sheds, you could say, our company sells sheds. Or you could reword that with the messaging that's focused on needing to expand your storage around your house. Mm -hmm. One of those is a little easier to read in email than the other, right? And one of those you're more likely to keep reading. It's human psychology. It's it's human psychology. We have been sold to. We have got so many things vying for our attention Mm -hmm. and our inbox is no different. We have been taught to filter out crap as quickly as possible. You know, it's just one of those things. Our busy lives, we just don't have time to sit around and read something that isn't of use or of value. And I think you're talking about not using jargon and slang and those sorts of things. Natural language is such an important key part of it. Write in a way that the end user is going to understand. Don't write the way you want them to understand. It's not about you. It's about them. And if you are a business and you're trying to earn sales and you're trying to push it down their throat, they are going to see through that very, very quickly. And you're going to be very soon in their spam folder. Yep. 
And that's just, it's not worth, it's not worth doing that. I think it's very reflective of kind of our overall mindset for marketing too. Like I think in terms of SEO, it's based on what their need is, not on the company's idea of what they're selling. It's what need does it fulfill? What desire does it fill? Um, So I think that very much so rings true, not only in email, but kind of across the board. Yeah, it's definitely another point for avoiding some of that boring messaging is to think outside of what you're doing now and try to push yourself. Mm -hmm. Don't just send sales related emails or deals, etc. Try to think about ways you can make email a two way street. So maybe it's that you can get reviews from that customer, you can get feedback, they can ask questions, just thinking of how you use email personally. And not that your business email needs to be informal, but make sure you're you're using email in the same way where you're giving that receiver a chance to talk back to you as well in some mm-hmm. form or outlet. That just brings so much more value to your company. If you're not just sending out emails, all you have is an open rate percentage and you know a send rate. It's actually getting something out of that email that you're sending. You're getting, like you said, a review or some sort of, you know, some sort of exchange. And I think that also makes customers feel like a little bit more connected to you. They always say like, once you can get someone to do a small task for you, then it's easier to get them to commit to something bigger. So if you can get them to literally click a button and take a fun three question survey about what color product they want to see next, then when you send them an email later, maybe that there is a sale or that there is some new product coming out, they might be more likely to buy. So yeah, it's all going to making sure your messaging stands out because there are so many people coming into that person's inbox. So if you don't stand out, you're eventually going to be gated out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So now that we've talked about having a great message in your email, first, you're going to need some people to send it to. Mike Shaw, would you like to tell us a little bit about growing your email list? Yeah, I would love to. I think email is, it because it's been around from out of all the digital uh, mediums that have been out there, it's been around the longest. Everyone we talked about earlier, everyone thinks they can do it. But one, they don't do it necessarily very well. And also, the problem is, just because you have an email newsletter to send out, that doesn't mean you have anyone to send it out to. And I think the best way to look about growing your email list is to use a holistic approach to your entire digital marketing. Because in in my opinion, email comes after SEO. It comes after, you know, you've done PPCs, after you've done your social ads and stuff like that, because those things are what's going to draw people into the website. And once they're on the website, that's when you can entice them or convince them or show them that, hey, you should sign up for our email. There's a lot of value that you're going to get out of it. I mean, there's millions of ways to grow your email. I think some of the easiest ways of doing that is by making sure your website is able to capture emails correctly. And I say that because so many companies have an email list, but it's not forefront of their page. It's like an afterthought for most people. Here at the bottom right hand corner of in the footer is this sign up for our email. Most people don't even see that. Most yeah. people don't. And you know, Tower was guilty for that. But we've changed our approach a lot because according to DMA, email marketing has a return on investment of about 3,800%. You think about how hard it is to acquire traffic. Now that traffic is saying, hey, 
We like what you've got. Let's, we want to hear more from you in our inbox. We're in their living room now. We've got to make sure that it's completely seamless from beginning to end. And a large portion of that is reliant on how your website is designed and the UX of that. Because if you don't show it, no one's going to be able to click on it. You could have hundreds, if not thousands, of visitors coming in each day. But if they can't see where to sign up or if that's even an option, it's not going to be something they're even going to bother looking for. I like to look at things in like sort of processes. We've got the mediums that are going to generate traffic, which will come to the website. The site, the website is where you can convince the or, or develop that lead where the person actually signs up to your email newsletter. And then we've got the third section of the process, which is making sure that the content is great. And Grace has touched on some of that already. Most people in business now, you know, they've heard of SEO, they've heard of Google ads, they've heard of Facebook ads, things like that. So the nice thing about organic search is you're going to get people finding you because they know of your brand. So if they've heard of your brand and they come into your website, that's like shooting fish in a barrel. Those are people that who, who want to know more from you. So absolutely using search to help bring those people in and tell them and a different way to communicate with you is is so so important paid search is another thing i think people need to focus on because mm -hmm. usually when people think of paid search they're thinking of well this user's at the bottom end of the funnel they're wanting to commit to a purchase or or, or to be a lead but what happens if they don't do either of those two? Are you just going to lose that traffic altogether? What about a soft conversion? And that's where, again, an email sign-up could be a really great way to capture someone if they did not become a sale or if they did not produce a sale or become a, a client lead for you. And I think we are so black and white with the way we look at things. It's like, I need a lead, I need a sale, and I didn't get that, so that failed, and I move on to a different you know, strategy or tactic. And I don't think that's a good thing, especially when we have email where you can be in their living room. They want to hear from you. You know, when you're going out to social media, your reach is so big, you don't always know who you're going to connect with. And therefore, there's no trust. They're not going to necessarily follow through on that conversion. But with email, it's different. They've done a search. They've landed on your website. They've, they've seen that you, what you provide, your services, your products. It's a lot more compelling for them to say, okay, I'll, I'll give you my email. Again, we talked about holistic. I think there needs to be this... You know, making sure you've got traffic coming to the site. You've got your web design in a place so that those leads, those people can become leads that be in your newsletter so that you can continue having that conversation. And then this third part that I want to talk about is the value, the content. You know, Grace was just saying so many people, they just treat it as a sales pitch. And yeah. I'm sorry, but everyone that's listening to this knows what it's like to be sold to. Every one of us have received an email and be like, I know exactly what they're wanting from me. They just <laughs> want my money. And it's not, it's not nice. It's not personable. It's not thoughtful. It's not caring. And it's not transparent. We, we're, we're just reading between the lines. So I think I was reading uh, Brian Dean, who's, who's a big um, digital marketer, has a big presence. He was just talking about his how he grew his email newsletter. And he said he did the 80-20 rule, which was 80% of his emails were educational, provided value, had some sort of entertainment, but they were just a little bit more personable. And only 20% of the time was he ever saying, hey, 
I've got a new course for you guys to sign up to. Hey, if you sign up today, you'll get a discount. You know, those sorts of more salesy, pitchy things. Because people are not wanting to be sold to. They want to know that we, you know, have the knowledge in our industry, but also that we're not just going to collect their email and pass it out at just for a sale later on. And I think that's where a lot of companies tend to fail. They know that they, they know that email is important. They're getting some traffic of some sort coming to their site, but then the execution of that email is subpar. And I think you should, as a business owner or someone that's doing marketing for a business, ask your clients, what do you like? What should, what would be helpful to you? Why do we do blogs? Because we know people are searching for those, that information. And we know that's something that they will find of value. Email is no different. We, you should do surveys. Google has free survey tools where you can create a quick survey, five questions, and you can get a ton of information back from people. Grace said, you know, about reviews. There's all these different cool ways that you can use email, but we seem to be stuck in a rut and doing the very bare minimum. And that bare minimum isn't good enough. It's not appreciated. And it's landing a lot of us in the, the spam territory. And that's, I don't know, as a business, that's just not something you want to ever find yourself in. So jumping in on that too, if we're talking about growing your list, Allison probably already <laughs> is thinking of this, but how many times do we see people wanting to buy email list because they know it's important and they want to speed that process? Allison, what are your thoughts on oh, buying Oh my gosh. Lists? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I sensing sp- a rant and I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> I could spend two hours talking about this. With buying lists, like Shaw was saying, like these people, these are people that invited you into their living room. When you buy a list, these are people that like, this is like looking someone up in the phone book, essentially, and knocking on their door and trying to be invited call. in. It it's is. It's a cold call. Or yeah. just walking in without being invited. <laughs> yeah, you're standing yeah, in their kitchen exactly. eating their food. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, a lot of the email service providers are, are smart to this because there are a lot of protections out there for people giving out their emails. The email service providers don't like when we just invite ourselves in. Um, and you can very quickly find yourself in some hot some hot water with um, whether it's MailChimp or ActiveCampaign. Um, if you're attempting to send to these people that that you've just waltzed into the, into their living room, can you maybe explain? Like when you say hot water, what does that mean? Um, we've seen people be questioned for the validity of their lists. I've seen people get their privileges turned off by the email service providers, so wow. they're no longer able to send emails through that service provider because their deliverability rate is so low and there can be legal actions relating to um, spam acts. Wow. It pays to do it right. You know, I mean, the service providers are saying, do it right. The consumer, the end users, please, please do it right. And then you get the marketers who are saying, please do it right. So, I mean, the writing's on the wall. Yeah. I love what you were saying too about like the 80-20 rule of like, it's not that you can't use email here and there to advertise to your customers about what's going on with your company. However, you have to first make sure that they're interested so that it doesn't feel spammy. Like I think the last time, I'm not gonna say I've never fallen prey to it, but the last time I saw an ad for something or got an email from something and immediately went to the website and bought it, that doesn't happen that often. It's typically, oh, they sell cute leggings, great. I wonder who else sells cute leggings. Should I get Lululemon leggings? Should I get Aerie leggings? Then I start doing research. And so sometimes that is when I'll subscribe to something and say, oh, well, maybe I'll hear more about maybe when they have a new collection come out or maybe there's a sale going on. So I think that's really important that you consider, like you said, those soft conversions of before you invite yourself in, 
you bump into them somewhere, say, yeah. if we're continuing this metaphor. And now they know your name and they recognize your face. And then when you show up in their living room, they're not as alarmed. You know, they're not going to call the cops. They're exactly. going to at least try to figure out what you're doing here first. It's not illogical. This is all based on logic. You know, your friends that you have, you didn't meet someone and then all of a sudden you're like, hey, we're best mates. Let's go to the pub and hang out. <laughs> No, there were several instances that happened where you learnt their name, you learnt where they worked, you bumped into them with one of your other friends, you know, and eventually this rapport built up. Now, I, I think it is even more, it's even more so when it comes to business because there's money involved, you know, mm -hmm. and personal information. These people, if you want a client that's going to buy from you again and again and again, you cannot abuse that relationship. Yeah, definitely. So now we've built a great email list. We have engaging copy to get people in. And Allison, would you like to take it home and talk to us about how to write an amazing CTA? Yeah. Um, so creating a winning call to action, um, this is the action that you want your subscribers to take. Um, it plays a huge role in moving people closer to that action um, in your email. And it really helps to provide that success and relevance of your email. So when you may be looking at your email performance, you'll probably be looking at click rate and click through to open rate. And click through to open rate is um, one that we like to look at a lot. And that's the number of people that click after they have opened. Um, whereas click rate is the number of clicks compared to um, the number of emails that you send. So your CTAs will help you get that click through to open win. Um, we're going to look at four things. And the first thing that we're going to kind of focus on is uh, language. So when you're creating that winning CTA, um, you want it to be action oriented and um, you want it to use strong verbs. And we're thinking beyond shop. We're thinking beyond buy. We're something a little more interactive, something a little more compelling. Um, we also want to keep our call to action short. Uh, two to five words is kind of the sweet spot. This not only helps with um, not creating more for your customers to read, but it also makes it short and catchy. And it makes the buttons look a little better, which we'll talk about next. Interestingly enough, um, one study showed that switching from second person, so saying get get your guide here, um, to switching to first person, so get my guide, um, showed a 90% increase in clicks, which is crazy because like you think you're talking to the customer like, oh, you can get your thing here. But if they're thinking in, the, in their own mind, like, oh, this is where I get my guide. And then also using some urgency words. So those like now and creating some urgency around like a sale that you may have. The classic free. Um, I wouldn't recommend using those in your subject line, but they can definitely help with your call to actions. Especially when they're accurate. Yes. <laughs> I hate when people are like, get a free whatever. And then you click through and it's like, oh, well, with a $350 purchase. Or like, pay for great. shipping. That should have been, yeah, that should have been in the initial sell. Yeah. So using those accurate, using accurate, action-based, keeping it short. Next would be our look. So like, how do your buttons appear in your emails? Um, color contrast is huge. So making sure that your buttons contrast with your background and then your button texts contrast with your buttons themselves. Um, so this helps them stand out. Can we talk about size too? Haley, I'm sure with design background, you know what I'm getting here, but nothing frustrates me more than emails where like the sizing of the button is off and I can't, like if I'm on my phone, I keep trying to click something and it's not working. Exactly. Teeny tiny buttons. <laughs> 
we're having to build websites with mobile in mind. Emails have to be the same way. Majority of people are on the road, on transit of some sort, at home, wherever. Their phone is most accessible. And therefore, you've got to make sure it is, you know, we talked about UX earlier on. It's just little, little things like that that can make or break a good email. Yeah, I firmly believe every email needs to be looked at on a phone before it's sent. I think so many people don't think to do that. And I know depending on your program, sometimes you can create a different design for mobile. Sometimes it's the same design, just size down. And so I know sometimes there is this design urge when you see it on desktop, you're like, oh my God, the button's so big. And so you kind of have to marry the two of saying, well, it's gonna be a little bit on the big side on desktop, but it's gonna still be clickable on mobile. So I think there's definitely, you have to find that happy medium and you have to look at your your own statistics because I'm willing to bet some of the clients that we do email for are, are mostly mobile opens. Mm-hmm. Making them larger also helps with uh, legibility. So mm-hmm. if it's smaller, like depending on how you're designing it, like if you're designing it in, in your email service provider directly, it has a little more, it has the ability to scale more. But if you're designing it in Photoshop and then putting it in there, it's not going to scale the same way. Mm-hmm. So keeping that in mind, I think, I think I found that 20 point font right now is the sweet spot for us. And then you're not keeping people second guessing. Like you're not, you're not hiding what you yeah. want them to do. Transparency. Um, you don't have to be sneaky. Just put it out there. Also giving it space. So making sure that you have plenty of white space around it, making sure that you have plenty of padding around your button um, so it's not getting lost in text or you're accidentally clicking on something different because your call to actions are too close together and mobile devices are not that big. That goes kind of blends into um, placement. It's it's a lot like when you're looking at a website, designing a website, you want to keep that most important call to action above the fold. You don't want people to have to scroll down to find the most important thing. Keeping a natural hierarchy of what you want people to click first. If you are going to include more than one, uh, you want your most important one to appear first. You don't want it to appear last. If you have a special order people need to go in, like they have to sign up first, you want to keep that above all the other call to actions. You also want your call to actions to fit with the flow of your email. So if you have text that leads to a call to action, that is ideal rather than people having to scroll back up to find the call to action or read an article and then find out where to go next. Just reducing scrolling when you're placing your call to actions. And my favorite, favorite thing to talk about (laughs) is the number. From the research I was doing, there isn't like an ideal number one number of call to actions. It's really dependent on your business and the goal of your email. Something to keep in mind when you're creating an email with call to actions is your email can't be everything to everyone with an action for everyone. Oh man. (laughs) I might get that tattooed on my forehead next. But just keeping in mind that like when you're planning your email, it should have like one central theme that you're really talking about. You can put other call to actions at the bottom, but really focusing on who you're talking to at what time will get you those call to action wins. Providing too many call to actions can also lead to decision fatigue and analysis paralysis, which is just the concept that if if we're given too many options, we won't make a decision at all. We may think, oh, variety and options make people feel good, but it just makes them feel overwhelmed and stressed. I would think would that also potentially be kind of a symptom of not having your email list either narrowed down or kind of segmented appropriately? Like if you're trying to fit in all these things, 
should that potentially be automated and be separated out based on what we know about those customers? Yeah, I think that plays a huge role in coming up with like honing what your message is. Like if you have a segmented list, then you're able to not try to fit everything in. Like one example I think of is when people when people um, put hiring messages, weekly product sale, like (laughs) Mm -hmm. chances are the people that are shopping with you are not also the people that are going to be working for you. So either your email is not the best place for that hiring message or Or you might have some insights about your email list where you can segment out those people that would be interested. Yeah, I think personalization, it it makes a huge difference because when you get something in the mail, in in the email that is relevant to you and of interest to you, the chances of you clicking it and opening it are obviously significantly higher. But if I'm looking for a product and and, and the first thing I see is something about hiring, I'm like, no, no thanks. It's just, it's called dissent. Yeah. If you are using multiple, uh, make sure that the most important are the most noticeable and the most weighted. Mm-hmm. So you want them to be at the top. You want them to have appropriate contrast. You, you want the eye to be drawn to them because that's ultimately the action that you want people to take. Others can appear after, they can be a a little bit smaller, and they can follow the progression of how someone would read your email. So this kind of goes to your segmenting comment. When you know where people are, in their journey, mm-hmm. you can tailor the messages to them and you can make sure that your call to actions are the most relevant to them. You can make sure that you're including an appropriate number that make people feel like they're not making too many decisions. Chances are, if they take one major action, they're not going to come back to that email. They're going to take that action. They're going to get to your website. They're going to get distracted. <laughs> they're going to end up on BuzzFeed. <laughs> And then, and then they probably won't return your email until they clean out their inbox. So Yeah, I thought that was interesting what you were saying about um, the hiring kind of like, oh, let's just throw this in. I think mm-hmm. too many companies use email as kind of a catch-all of, oh, we haven't really done what we were supposed to do to advertise these job openings or this whatever. Like, where can we just squeeze that in real quick that we can get it out there and get someone to see it and get visibility for it? And I think, I mean, I've been asked to do stuff like that before, and I always want to fight and say, like, no, that is not the goal of this one piece. And I think it's true with email, you have to be specific in order to, you know, grow a following that is actually loyal and opens your emails. Cause it, it's so easy to just swipe and delete. I mean, I know that I do it. I subscribe to a bunch of companies that most of the time I'm just deleting them unless I happen yeah. to be shopping from them and looking for like a coupon or something. So I think it's important to see email is not like a secondary tactic. It can be, but it can also be a primary source of marketing. It doesn't have to be oh, well, we didn't cover this in a blog and we didn't cover it on social and our SEO right now for it, like we're not getting a ton of traffic based on search. So ooh, we'll stick it in email. I think it has to be, we're going to yeah. do an email campaign to get leads for X. None of this is rocket science. All of this, again, it's logical thoughtfulness. It's not, there's nothing sketchy, spammy or like that going on. And I think that I just also don't think people have enough time for it. They don't, they just think, oh, it's easy. It's just an email, but they don't realize the power of email. I mean, we were just talking about the return on investment being 3,800%. Jeepers, that's not convincing to like invest in email and do it better. I don't know what is. I think that's true too. So many people do it at just like the lowest possible level of like, oh, it's a holiday. Let's just send out a happy holiday email once a year. And it's just like, think about what you could do if you actually took the time. You know, I opened that email and that wasn't even anything interesting. So think about, you've got all these people hooked now. So, you know, what can you do with it? 
All right. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Um, thank you guys so much for all of your insight and just general email knowledge today. Um, if you've enjoyed listening to this episode, please leave us a comment wherever you're listening, SoundCloud, on our website, Apple Podcasts, um, and let us know, did, did you find this information helpful? What's your email program looking like right now? What are your email goals for the coming year? Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. See you next time. Bye.